another week, another opportunity for the Trump administration to clean up mess. COVID cases are still on the rise in the United States and Texas bar owners are suing the governor for the opportunity to keep their bars open. Colin Kaepernick has a brand new show on Netflix, but still cannot seem to get a job in the NFL. All of this and more on this week's edition of News Now Next. Welcome to News Now Next, the podcast that brings you news that you need to know, what's going on right now, and what you should be expecting next. I'm your host, Andrea Brown, and you can find me on all social platforms at I am Andrea Brown. Let's jump right into the news. I'm going to be honest with you, the Trump administration has become somewhat like a reality show. Every week, there's someone new, and Donald Trump never ceases to amaze me. This week, Iran has issued an arrest warrant asking Interpol for help in detaining the United States president, Donald Trump, and dozens of others that it believes carried out the drone strike that killed top Iranian general Soleimani back in January in Baghdad. They requested help from Interpol, but Interpol has declined to do so. Additionally, intelligence assessing that Russia had offered bounties to incentivize Taliban-linked killing militants to kill coalition troops in Afghanistan was included in a written briefing for President Donald Trump, according to multiple sources. Now, I don't know about you, but if I were the president and I knew that someone was paying enemies to kill our troops, I probably would have acted on it. That's just me. I, I don't know about you guys, but seems like there could be a little foolery here. Donald Trump has also said that the Black Lives Matter street paintings that have popped up across the country are a symbol of hate. And of course, the mode for which he chose to make this statement was Twitter. Now, this tweet comes just a few days after he retweeted a video with a man saying white power and another video in which a couple aimed guns at black protesters who were passing their home in St. Louis. Again, not breaching their property, but just passing their home in protest in St. Louis. All I can say is the hypocrisy is strong in this one. The European Union has banned travelers from the United States due to the fact that COVID cannot seem to be controlled. Now, this ban is indefinite, but it will be reviewed once every two weeks. So sorry, fam, to those of you that were planning to head over to Greece, Italy, Sweden, or any of the other 24 countries in the EU, like you were ready to risk it all. (laughs) The flight deals are really good right now because people still aren't really traveling that much. Sorry, fam, they're not going to let you in if you live in the United States. COVID cases are rapidly rising in the United States and in Texas specifically. So it may come as a surprise that in Texas, bar owners are suing Governor Greg Abbott after he mandated their closure amid the rapid rise in virus cases. 
Unfortunately, masks meant to protect people from catching the virus have become somewhat of a political issue and thus created real issues across party lines. The most unfortunate part of this is that Lieutenant Governor of Texas, Dan Patrick, has decided that he'll no longer take advice from Dr. Anthony Fauci, who, if you don't know, is the nation's leading expert on infectious diseases and is also on President Donald Trump's coronavirus task force. This is the place that we're at right now in our country. We're facing a global pandemic and states have been left to determine what they should do for themselves. That's part of the reason why the virus is still continuing to grow. Numbers have gone down in some states, but in most states, they are skyrocketing because people are feeling like their rights are being infringed upon. And I think this is a core value problem that we have with the United States. So many of us believe in individuality, which is cool. Like you should have individual freedoms. You should be able to express yourself individually. But I don't think that that should come at the expense of the betterment of society. And unfortunately, that's kind of where we are with the mask situation. It's become much more of you can't tell me what to do rather than great. I want to protect myself and protect other people from spreading a deadly virus. And the other thing is some people just don't believe that the virus is real. Unfortunately, day after day on the news, numbers of deaths from the coronavirus in the United States continue to rise. It's over 100,000 at this point. But I think a lot of people are unassuming because the coronavirus hasn't directly impacted them or their families. So they don't think it's real. It's like Santa Claus or Rudolph or the tooth fairy or something. They just don't believe that it's real, except the coronavirus is backed by science. Unlike those other things that are actual fantasy. Former Atlanta police officer, Garrett Rolfe, who's partially responsible for the death of 27-year-old Rayshard Brooks, was released on a $500,000 bond. A couple of conditions of the bond included surrendering his passport if he had one, a curfew from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m., and he has to wear an ankle monitor. This comes even after the widow of Rayshard Brooks begged the judge not to release him. If you recall, Rayshard Brooks was shot and killed in the parking lot of an Atlanta Wendy's after struggling with officers and resisting arrest for driving while intoxicated. The men responsible for the death of Breonna Taylor have not yet been arrested. It's been more than 100 days since she was killed while sleeping in her Louisville home. This week, while attending a protest or rally for Breonna Taylor, a 27-year-old photographer was killed when a man fired indiscriminately into a crowd of protesters. I think if we could tie the news stories of the week together, like if I could go back and talk about Donald Trump for a moment, 
I think it's important for us to take note that there are a lot of people that follow Donald Trump and hang on to the words that he tweets or says or shares. And one of the things that he has been very adamant against is protesters now. Never mind the fact that we have the right to peaceably assemble, but I think that protest and riot have been used interchangeably. And unfortunately, that has caused a lot of dissension. And so anytime people are exercising their right to peaceably assemble, there are a group of people who find it completely offensive and feel like they have to react violently to people peaceably assembling. Take, for example, I was watching something on Twitter this week and a group of people came together for a peaceful vigil, a violin vigil of all things, for the memory of Elijah McClain, who was killed by the Aurora Police Department last year. Elijah was walking home from a corner store and he had on a ski mask because he had anemia and he was often cold. Um, Someone called the police and said that he looked sketchy. The police came and detained Elijah and wound up killing him. Apparently, Elijah used to play violin and he played violin for cats and things like that. Like he was a different kind of guy. And that's how his his family remembers him. So a group of people gathered to play violin. And guess what happened? The police came and broke it up. So I think the biggest issue for me is that I understand that there may have been situations in which people took advantage of the protests as an opportunity for them to vandalize, loot, etc. And I won't say that I agree with that action, but it is what it is. It has happened. That doesn't mean that each and every gathering of people should be disrupted by police. And I'm not talking about <laughs> I'm not talking about police presence because it's one thing to have police presence. I'm talking about police escalating situations by arriving on scene in riot gear while people are sitting on a lawn listening to other people play violins in tribute to a man who was murdered by police. There has to be some kind of balance. I just can't imagine living in a country that calls itself the land of the free and the home of the brave and not being allowed constitutional rights to peaceably assemble, literal peaceful assembly. Listening to violin on a lawn, you can't really get more peaceful than that. Switching gears a little bit, 
I've got to say that the BET Awards managed to pull out a virtual version of its popular BET Awards. And I will say it was a very, very good show. I was really impressed with the way that they were able to come together, bring all of these amazing artists together for these high quality, high production level performances that were kind of like music videos, if you will, and do it all basically on Skeleton Crew. Uh, Anyone who listens to this and hasn't had the opportunity to watch the BET Awards, I would suggest you watch it. And this was the first year that it was actually simulcast on CBS. So imagine all of the all of the other people that got an opportunity to be exposed to this incredible black culture on Sunday night. As a matter of fact, the BET Awards has its highest ratings on the show since 2007. 3.7 million people watched on Sunday night and millions more. I want to say 30 million more were able to catch all of the goodness via social media or digital platforms. That's a lot of people. I did notice also that a lot of the ad dollars were catered to the current social justice situation that we have brewing in the United States. There was a lot of talk about what companies were doing in terms of the Black Lives Matter movement, in terms of social justice, in terms of, you know, what they were doing for diversity and inclusion which is a good thing, but I think some people on Twitter were a little frustrated because it was kind of like, in some people's opinion, speaking to the choir. But when you realize that this show was also broadcast on CBS right after 60 Minutes, so many more people got exposed to this than would normally be exposed to it. And it's a different audience. So kudos to BET for pulling off an incredible, incredible 20th BET Awards. In sports news, former NFL MVP Cam Newton finally has a new home as a quarterback. He'll be joining the New England Patriots. But all-pro cornerback Richard Sherman is not quite pleased with the amount of money that they offered our dear friend Cam Newton. Considering his resume, Sherman really felt like the deal was disrespectful, to say the least. He said, and I quote, How many former league MVPs have had to sign for the minimum asking for a friend? It's just ridiculous. A transcendent talent and less talented quarterbacks are getting 15 to 16 million dollars a year. Disgusting. End quote. Now, Richard Sherman may have a point. (laughs) And it's one thing to say that it's good that Cam Newton got a job. But, you know, he could actually be getting paid more. I know that there are some players that are getting paid obscene amount of money and haven't had the track record that Cam Newton has had. I'd love to hear your feedback on this. And I'd love for you to reach out to me on Twitter or Instagram at I am Andrea Brown so we can discuss more. One person that hasn't received a job from the NFL yet, though, is Colin Kaepernick. Now, despite Colin Kaepernick having um, been working out for years after being essentially blackballed by the NFL, and now after Roger Goodell 
encouraging NFL clubs to consider Colin Kaepernick for a job, he still doesn't have one. What he does have, however, is a brand new show with the help of his friend, Ava DuVernay. The show is called Colin in Black and White, and it will be featured on Netflix. The show is going to cover or take a look at what Colin's life was like as a teenager, his beginnings in sports and what it was like for a black kid to be adopted by a white family. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to me personally. I think Ava DuVernay, anything she touches is excellent. I've never had a problem with anything that Ava DuVernay has created. So I feel like it's going to be an awesome opportunity for us to take a look at Colin's life. And again, this is scripted. It's not a documentary. So it'll be interesting to see how they depict his life. Mark Zuckerberg is set to meet with civil rights activists and organizers to discuss Facebook's stance on hate speech and misinformation. This is coming after several large companies have begun to withdraw their ad dollars from both Facebook and Instagram. And if you didn't know, Facebook actually owns Instagram. So the issue here is that Facebook really doesn't have a clear cut policy on hate speech. And if they do, that policy isn't really applied uniformly. So a lot of times there are hateful things that are allowed to stay on the platform. I'm talking about um, murderous right wing groups. I'm talking about hate, just rampant hate, uses of the N word, threats of violence, um, allowing people to congregate to plan attacks or hate groups, etc. It's just, it's not managed very well. I'll put it that way. And so a lot of companies are coming together with pressure from their buyers, patrons, etc. to tell Facebook, hey, we're not going to spend our ad dollars with you if you don't get a handle on this hate speech and this misinformation, propaganda, etc. that you guys allow to run rampant on your platform. And some of these companies include Unilever, Ford, Hershey's. These are major companies. These aren't mom and pop stores that we're talking about. The problem here is that the companies that are boycotting are very few. Now, this number could continue to grow. But right now, those companies aren't going to make a huge impact. As a matter of fact, they only account for about 6% of Facebook's ad revenue. 6% is a lot, but it's almost kind of like a drop in the bucket when you understand that Facebook makes most of its money from ad dollars. It will be interesting to see what type of outcome we have from this conversation and what it would look like if people continue to defund Facebook based on Mark Zuckerberg's lack of action around hate speech. This last story that I want to talk about is kind of personal to me. I don't know about you all, but growing up, I used to read a lot of magazines. And one of my favorite magazines to read was Essence. It's a black women's magazine. And it was founded by black people, later purchased by Time Inc. And most recently purchased by Rich Dennis, who is the founder of Sundial Brands, who also created 
the very, very popular beauty product, Shea Moisture. This week, a group of anonymous former, possibly former employees of Essence Magazine came together and released a list of very scathing accusations against Rich Dennis and senior level executives at Essence for their treatment of the mostly black women staff at Essence Magazine. And I thought to myself, wow, this is really truly disheartening that a magazine that really caters or is supposed to cater to black women would treat the women that actually work to create it so poorly. Now, this group of women, they call themselves Black Women Anonymous, have created a list of demands. And you can check them out at Take Back Essence on both Twitter and Instagram. Also, if you read my newsletter, I actually linked the stories um, and the list of demands in the newsletter. So you should check that out. That's nxtnws.substack.com. So you can subscribe to the newsletter. But it's very, very bittersweet for me. I think it's important that Black women are treated with respect. I also find it very sad that something that or an organization, a magazine that I've enjoyed for so long would treat treat its employees the way it's been treating them. I think it's super unfortunate. But also, it's not hard for me to believe. I think there are just as many hateful black gatekeepers as there are hateful white gatekeepers. And it's an unfortunate situation. And I think the reasoning is different. I think that a lot of times people are concerned that they may lose their place to someone else. Or that coming into the business for themselves was very, very difficult. So in turn, they want to make it difficult for other people. And that's literally not the way that we should be. We're supposed to create opportunities for other people so that they don't have to go through what we went through. And I don't think that that's the mindset for a lot of black gatekeepers in media, but really black gatekeepers in any industry that you can think of. And so over the next few days, I think it'll be interesting to see what unfolds. Rich Dennis has already been replaced as the CEO, but Black Women Anonymous say that that is not enough, that their demands should be met and that they won't stop until they are. That's all for this week. Don't forget to check out the newsletter. The News Now Next newsletter can be found at nxtnws.substack.com. Until next time, keep your eyes and ears open.